there's a group of our pastors who have been meeting together in the mornings for the last few months to work out. Now, I know what you're thinking. I can't tell that y'all have been working out, right? Uh, we have been, though, I promise. We've been, now, maybe we've not been as consistent at times as we could have been. I haven't been super consistent the last couple of weeks because of some meetings and things that I've had to attend. But nonetheless, I'm still committed to exercising. And when you, when you want to uh, either lose fat or gain muscle, you, you have to work out. Whether you want to look like Popeye uh, or you just want to, you know, gain, tone your muscles some or something of that nature, you're going to have to work hard. And when you lift weights, you are straining your muscles and the, the muscle fibers are actually breaking down. That's what happens when, when you lift weights. And the cells in your muscles then go through a healing process where they're fusing these muscle fibers together to form new muscle protein fibers. It's called myofibrils. And these myofibrils will increase in thickness and they'll increase in number, and it will create muscle growth. But if you don't strain your muscles and work your muscles, then this doesn't happen. So the old saying, no pain, no gain, really is true. Like you have to, you have to break down your muscles to build them back up. On the other hand, if you, if you aren't pushing your muscles, if you're not straining them, then your, your body will go through what's called Atrophy. If you've ever broken an arm or something like that and, and you wear a cast for six weeks, you take it off and you have just a toothpick underneath that, uh, underneath that cast, that's called atrophy. It, it literally shrinks in size. And so you have to push yourself. Physical exercise disciplines and develops our muscles. Now, in the same way, this happens in our spiritual lives as well. Do you ever feel like your life isn't what it's supposed to be or like your life isn't what it, what it could be? Do you ever feel like maybe you've made poor decisions and you're, you're suffering consequences because of it now? When we are saved from our sin, the Bible tells us that God renews us. He, he makes us into the person that he's designed for us to be. Yet after that moment of salvation, there's this long process for the rest of your life that's called sanctification, in which God is working in our lives to make us who he intends for us to be. And that process can be difficult, and that process can be messy over times as old sinful habits are abandoned and they're replaced with godliness as the Holy Spirit works in our life. And we have to grow these spiritual muscles through discipline. And the, the word of God is used as an important part of God shaping our lives and making us a man or woman after his own heart. So this morning, if you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 119, we're continuing our series through Psalm 119. And as I've explained throughout this series, this is a, a Hebrew alphabet poem. And every stanza in this, in this, in this uh, psalm corresponds 
with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's basically going A, B, C, D, but in Hebrew all the way through. And every line in a particular stanza will begin with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so this stanza that we come to today is the Hebrew letter Tet. This is what Tet looks like. I know you thought it might have been an apple. Someone thought it was an abscessed tooth. There was a lot of different questions about what this was, uh, but this is the Hebrew letter Tet. And every line in these eight verses that we're going to study today begins with this letter in Hebrew. And this particular stanza is all about discipline. It's about how the Lord uses his word to bring discipline into our lives. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word if you're able. Psalm 119, verse 65, the word of God says, Lord, you have treated your servant well, just as you promised. Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and you do what's good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have smeared me with lies, but I obey your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Thank you. You may... Be seated. As we study this passage today, uh, God is going to work in our lives through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, uh, to teach us to be people of the book, that we be people who are committed to the Word of God. And today, He's going to show us how He uses discipline to do that. And this passage is, is broken into two parts the work of discipline in our lives and the worth of that discipline. So we begin with the work of discipline, and God's word will bring correction to our lives. We have to first recognize that we are sinners who have rebelled against God and that we need to be saved from our sin, that each of us has turned from the Lord, each of us has gone astray and gone our own way, but God loved us enough that he sent his very own son to pay the price for our sins, that he died on the cross as a substitute for you and for me. He paid the wages of sin, which is death, and he died in our place. He was placed in the grave, but on the third day, he rose from the dead, and when he did that, he proved that he is the savior of the world. He proved that he is the one who is the conqueror of sin. He's the conqueror of death. And when we trust in him and his sacrifice for us, we are forgiven of our sins and we are saved from death. We are born again, made new, cleansed from all of our sin. And this is where every person has to begin. Every person begins with the correction or the discipline or the conviction of God's Holy Spirit in our lives unto salvation, that we would put our faith in Jesus to save us from our sin. But even so, from that point, when you've made a decision to trust in Christ, it doesn't mean that you are perfect from then on. Perfect testimony right here, okay? I'm not perfect, okay? And so we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with temptation because we have a sinful nature and, 
and we make wrong choices every day. We, we disobey God. And if you are a Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of you. And he is pointing you to Christ. And he is uh, showing us the way to follow after the Lord. And this process is called sanctification. And the Lord will use his word to continually sanctify us. And this work of discipline is accomplished as the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and he speaks to us through the word of God. And so as you look at the psalmist, you see him recounting how the, the Lord uses his word to do this work in his life. In verse 65, he says, Lord, you've treated your servant well, just as you promised. Some translations there say, uh, according to your word, just like you have said, basically. And so he's saying that what you've done in my life, you've treated me well, like you have promised, like you, like you have said in your word. And this is how the Lord speaks to us, according to his word. This is how he deals with us, according to his word. He tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Now, did you, did you catch all of those things? God's word is profitable to you to teach you the ways of God. God's word is profitable to you to rebuke you when you're off course. It's gonna rebuke the sin of our lives. God's word is profitable for correction. He's going to straighten us out and set us on the right path. God's word is profitable for training in righteousness. It's gonna train us to live the lives of godliness and holiness that please the Lord. And so as you approach the word of God, this is the work that he's doing in your life through this word. So as you read about David in the Old Testament, you learn about being a servant and you're pointed to King Jesus who will reign forever in righteousness as the true king. As you read about Joshua, you're learning about being a leader. And you're pointed to Jesus who will bring us to the ultimate promised land. As you read Paul's letters in the New Testament, you are learning about walking faithfully. As you're reading God's call to truthfulness, you're learning about speaking honestly. As you read God's call to treat others with love, you're learning about speaking kindly to others. As you read God's call to proclaim the gospel, you're learning about our mission as the church. And so the Lord deals with us as we read his word. It is a plumb line by which we measure our lives. There's a verse that, that I have focused on over this last year. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, that says, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And so as I read that verse, God speaks it into my heart and says, 
you have a calling on your life to preach to others, to preach the gospel to others. And you don't want to be disqualified. And so he says here that you are going to discipline your body and bring it under strict control so that you would not, after preaching, be disqualified. So what does that do? It, it forces me to examine my physical fitness. It forces me to examine my emotional well-being. It forces me to examine my spiritual walk with the Lord, disciplining my body, bringing it under strict control. That's an example of looking at the plumb line of God's word and how God uses his word to bring discipline and correction in our lives. He does this with us every time we open up his word. As you continue on into verse 66, the psalmist says, teach me good discernment and judgment for I am relying on your commands. He's looking to God's word, relying on it, he says, to help him to have discernment and judgment as he's going through life. And this is the work of discipline as God teaches us in his word. He teaches us how to think rightly, how to make right decisions. As we learn godly principles for living in his word, as we learn true knowledge from his word, the Holy Spirit will impress God's word in our hearts. And then when you are put into a situation where you have to make a decision, where you're unsure about what to do, you rely upon the discernment and the knowledge that you have gained from the word of God. But you're only able to do that if you have received the discipline of the scriptures into your life. He goes on into verse 67 saying, before I was afflicted, I went astray but now I keep your word. And the psalmist is offering a bit of a testimony here. And it's probably a testimony that all of us across the sanctuary could, could echo today. And that is, before I was convicted or afflicted is the word that he uses here, I went astray. Basically, he says, I, I did my own thing. I, I, I followed my own wisdom. I went my own ways. But the Lord brought affliction into my life. The Lord brought conviction and correction into my life in some way or another. And I suffered as a result of the sin of my life, as a result of my own disobedience. And through that experience, the Lord has turned my heart to him. Before I was afflicted, he says, I went astray, but now I am keeping the word of God. Now he has received the work of God's discipline in his life, and he's following after the word of God. The problem is that a lot of times that testimony doesn't look like his, where he says, before I uh, was afflicted, I went astray. A lot of times we say, even after I was afflicted, I continued to go astray, right? We need to allow God's word to continue to convict us and draw us to him. And this is one of the more difficult aspects of the word of God. And I believe it's why so many people don't want to read the Bible because it hurts sometimes. I believe it's why unbelievers want the Bible to be untrue because then they don't have to follow it. The reason that we try to stay away from God's word is because it spotlights our sin. 
Listen, I don't like needles. I don't like the idea of this, you know, pointy metal thing going into my arm. I just, I'm not a wimp. Well, maybe I am a wimp, but I just don't like the idea of these needles going into my arm. And, and so a, a couple years ago, I was getting ready to go on a mission trip into the Amazon rainforest. And, you know, as you can imagine, going into a place like that, you got to get a lot of shots before you go. And so we had to go get four shots at the immunization place. And so they go in and they give me two shots in each arm. And one of the shots, I can't remember what it was for. It was, I don't know, but it, it was like they were pumping maple syrup into my arm. I mean, it was so thick. I mean, you could feel it coming into your body. And it, I mean, my arm was sore for like three days after that. Whatever, whatever that shot was, I didn't get it because, you know, they put all this stuff into my body. But that's how some people feel about coming to the word of God that they're gonna get a shot and they don't like it. You know, some people avoid going to the doctor, guys. Some people avoid going to the doctor altogether because they think that ignorance is bliss, right? That if you don't go to the doctor and he doesn't tell you what's wrong with you, then nothing's wrong with you, okay? Well, that's just not true, okay? <laughs> Avoiding the doctor doesn't help you if you're really sick. And avoiding God's word doesn't help you either because we are really sick. And getting a shot might sting a little bit, but it's for your good. So you won't get malaria, or so you won't get the measles, or you won't get whatever. And the word of God is the same way. It might sting a little bit, but that's God working in your life. It doesn't feel good when you have affliction, but God is teaching you through it. And people will react in one of two ways to this. They'll either rebel further from God and harden their hearts toward him, or they'll receive the discipline of God and repent and return to him. What you see the, the psalmist saying here is, before I was afflicted, I was going astray, but now I'm keeping your word. That correction, that discipline brought him close to God such that he would say in verse 68, you are good and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. He says, God is a good God. And when he disciplines us, it's for our good. The author of Hebrews says something very similar. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 12 in verse six, this is what, the Bible says the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and he punishes every son that he receives. So endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father doesn't discipline? If you're without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is what 
the psalmist is saying here. He says, God, you're good. You do what's good. This discipline might not feel good, but I know it's because you love me and you're working in my life. Now, Catherine and I have three children, Lila, Fisher, and Ransom, and we are always, always working to try to discipline our children, right? You know what they say about preacher's kids. They're the worst, and that's because they hang out with the deacon's kids, okay? So uh, the preacher's kids, I mean, I was a preacher's kid, so I, I know uh, that we need a lot of discipline. And so Catherine and I, we try to place clear expectations for how we think they ought to behave and how they ought to treat one another and how they ought to treat other people. And when they don't measure up, which they are not going to at all the time, uh, we have to bring discipline into their lives. We have to, to have consequences. They'll have something taken away or they'll have to miss something or whatever sort of discipline that we've agreed upon. And I don't do that because I'm a jerk and I want to be really mean to my kids, okay? And you don't discipline your kids because you're mean and you really don't like your kids. You do it because, I hope not, okay? Uh, you do it because you love them. And you want them to behave appropriately. And they learn because we discipline them. And listen, we're the same way. Sometimes God has to give us spiritual discipline so that we're going to learn how to live for him. It's not because God is mean. It's because he's a good God. And he wants what's best for us. He is good and he does good. And so God uses his word in our lives to do the work of discipline. But the second part of this passage this morning, we see the worth of discipline because the psalmist goes on to show us the value of this discipline in his life. In verse 69 and 70, he says, the arrogant have smeared me with lies, but I obey your precepts with all of my heart. Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. So he says that there are some people who don't see the value of God's discipline in their lives. He says the arrogant, they continue to rebel against the Lord's correction. Their hearts become hard and insensitive to God's work. So when the Holy Spirit convicts them, as the Holy Spirit is always at work in the world, working in us to point us to Christ, and when the Holy Spirit convicts them, they resist and they continue in their sin. They don't recognize that God loves them and that he has a plan for their lives. And I want you to know today that if this is you, that you are missing out on your purpose in life, that God created you, that he has a plan for you, that he loves you, and that plan is for your good and for his glory. It is not that you would suffer in sin. It's not that you would struggle with evil. It's that you would have a relationship with him and that you would spend eternity in his presence. And that is why this discipline is so valuable to you. So receive it, heed it in your life. Most people who are able to look back on the discipline of their childhood does so with gratitude to their parents. They might not have enjoyed having to sit in their bedroom without a TV or without a telephone or whatever, but they're grateful 
that now they've learned how to respect their elders. Uh, you know, they might not have enjoyed that discipline, but now they're grateful that their parents taught them not to tell a lie. And, and in the end, it was good and valuable to them. And discipline is, an is a valuable thing in an individual's spiritual life as well. The, the psalmist declares what it means to him. In verse 71, he says, it's good for me to be afflicted so that I can learn your statutes. He says, I went through that time of correction. I went through that time of reproving and rebuking. I went through that time of conviction so that I could learn your statutes. I, 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 I went through it. It was good for me because now I have learned your word. Those trials have brought me closer to you. Listen, it's not always fun when in my daily Bible reading, I'm, I'm, I'm reading God's word or I'm listening to a sermon and I'm, I'm hearing the word of God preached and God is exposing sin in my life. And he's showing me wrong attitudes and he's showing me wrong actions or thoughts in my life and he's showing me where I've gone off course. But it brings me to a point where I am confessing that sin to God and repenting of it, and I'm drawing closer to him. That's how this is supposed to work, as God brings this correction in your life. That discipline is making us more into the image of Christ. It's refining us. It's making me to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better friend a better follower of Christ. And God wants to do that same work in your life. Now, our pastors have these blue little notebooks. They're over in the source. And we use these for accountability to develop discipline in our lives. And there are several things that we try to track each week. I try to track each week um, and some weeks are better than others. But these are the things that I'm trying to keep track of in my life. That I'm reading the Bible every day. And so I'm marking those things down. That I'm, I'm doing what I call in-reach. That I'm reaching out to people who are part of our church family and calling on them and, or meeting with them and checking on them and, and praying for them. Uh, that I'm doing outreach. That I'm trying to share the gospel with people every single week. And so I'm trying to keep track of, of, of that. Uh, that I'm that I'm doing, uh, being a spiritual leader in my home. So what, what sort of devotions am I doing with, with our family and, and leading them to worship God? And then uh, fifthly, what sort of exercise am I doing to try to keep my body uh, in shape so that I can serve the Lord as best as I can? And so, like I said, some weeks are better than others with, with this, but, but what, what writing this down every single week does for me is it provides accountability. Uh, to, to see whether I'm doing what I think I ought to be doing or not, with the things that God has impressed on my heart that, that I need to, to be doing or not. And so what are you doing? How are you staying accountable in your walk with God? Are you able to, to keep track of how the Lord is bringing discipline and correction in your life to show growth in your walk with the Lord? You really want to know what this discipline means to the psalmist? Look what he says in verse 72. 
He says, instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Wow. I don't think that that's hyperbolic. I think he really means that. And if you are a follower of the Lord, you understand where he's coming from. That knowing God and following God really is worth more than all the money this world has to offer. I mean, that's what he's saying. I would trade all of it to have a closer relationship with you. That God's word is the true treasure because it's leading me into real life in Christ. And that's worth more than anything that this world has to offer. So now's the time for us to look at our lives and see the Lord's discipline. It's time for us to do some, some spiritual heavy lifting today. We're going to have a time of response to the word of God. And so Christians this morning, you may be facing the discipline of God in your life. And I want you to know today that that's for your good, that God loves you and he's doing this to make you the man or woman of God that he's created you to be. So don't resist the discipline of the Lord. Receive it. Allow God's word to teach and to reprove and correct and train you in righteousness. And so maybe you want to spend some time during this invitation here at this altar or even there at your seat in prayer saying, God, I know that I've been avoiding your word or God, I know that I've been... Uh, disobeying your word or God, I've been neglecting your word, but God, today I want to receive it into my life as what's good for me, that you love me and you're growing me and refining me. And so maybe you want to confess these things to the Lord today. There may be others this morning who have never trusted in Christ for salvation. And this word of God is convicting you today, that you recognize that you have gone astray, that you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, but that God loves you even in that place where you're far away from him. And he loves you so much that he gave his only son perfect in every way to be the, the sacrifice for you and for me, that he did pay the price for your sin on the cross when he died and shed his blood. And he was placed in the grave, but praise God, on the third day, he walked out alive. And what that means for us today is that there's hope, that there's forgiveness, that there's life, that there's salvation, that there's joy, that there's a future. And all of that can be yours today if you would receive the Lord's discipline in your life. As the Holy Spirit is convicting you, even right now, then instead of resisting that and pushing back against that, you, you recognize and you confess your sin to the Lord and that you call on him to forgive you of your sin and that you push your faith and your trust in Jesus as your savior and that you follow him as your Lord and as your king. And today the Bible tells us that if you would do that, that you would be saved, that you would be born again, that you'd be made new, that you would be brought into a relationship with God himself. If that's a decision that you want to make today, I want to encourage you to come and to share that with one of these leaders that's going to be across the front and let them pray with you and encourage you in this decision today. 
Maybe you're at home watching online. If this is a decision that you want to make, you can text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241 and let us know that this is a decision that you want to make and we'll follow up with you. But however God is speaking to you today, this is a time for us now to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you for your word today, Lord, for how you bring correction and reproof and discipline into our lives for our good. And so God, even now, as you have done your work during this time of worship, as your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, Lord, may we receive that word and respond to it. God, I pray for those that that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would call on you and follow you as the Lord of their life. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.